uh, which brings us to number two on the list, which is stomach issues. And again, that's like the most common thing, right? Like how many mm-hmm. times have we said vomiting and diarrhea on this episode? <laughs> Maybe we should title it that episode. I don't even know what number of episode we're on now. Is it nine? I nine? think we're ten. Ten? ten? Yeah. Episode ten. Vomiting and diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. This is Haidushka, Heidi. And this is Vero. Vero. <laughs> and it's time for Let's Boop Snoots. Let's boop some snoots. Let's boop the snoots. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about vaccines and puppy schedule for those vaccinations. So we're going to talk about the most common vaccines, the one that are always given, and then vaccines that depending on your lifestyle your dog's lifestyle that you can choose to uh, give your dog and we're also going to talk about some of the more common reasons that people bring their dogs into the vet and some things that you can do to maybe mitigate those reasons at home all righty well let's get started (laughs) so vaccines are pretty much separated into two categories Uh, There's the core vaccines and the non-core vaccines. So the core vaccines are usually for like viral infections and they're for highly contagious illnesses. So that's why we, we always give those vaccines to their, to our puppies. So when you do get your puppy, if you're getting your puppy from a breeder, uh, they should already have their first set of vaccines. And that should be um, distemper and parvovirus. So we're going to talk about all these diseases and what they are and what they look like. Uh, so parvovirus, it's widespread in dogs. Um, it damages the lining of the GI tract and it can also cause inflammation to the heart muscle. So signs of that is vomiting and diarrhea and it spreads through the doggy's feces. So when I was younger, my parents got a dog uh, from a puppy shop. And within a day, he was coughing, uh, he's having diarrhea, and that's what he had. He had parvovirus and we had to put him down. Oh. So it's apparent, it's very, yeah, it's a very serious disease. It can cause death in two, three days. Yeah. I don't even know like how, if puppies survive this. How often they survive parvovirus? Um, like, yeah, I don't know what the what the statistics on that are, but but if they have it badly, and it's it's so hard because like reading through all of this stuff, getting ready for this episode, those are the most common symptoms that you get from your dog. It's like vomiting and diarrhea. So from yeah, like everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and sometimes it's just that they ate something weird, but it's especially with puppies and especially like in in the beginning when you get your dog from somewhere because you don't know how they were boarded or who they were exposed to and stuff like that. I I would be uh, pretty quickly taking them to the vet if you noticed like uh, vomiting and diarrhea that would not resolve within like a day or two. Yes. Especially they're tiny and they're very vulnerable. Uh, with parvovirus, there's often blood in the yeah. stools. Mm-hmm. And even if you live in an apartment building in New York City and you feel like you're not taking your like it's more of an indoor dog, you just take them out for walks on sidewalks. This is carried from outside on objects and like shoes and it's highly contagious. So you can be dragging that disease into your apartment and your dog could be licking your shoes or the floor and get parvovirus. Blech. Blech. No to parvovirus. No to parvo. (laughs) Snoot to that. (laughs) Yes. I turn my snoot to parvovirus. Um, Another one that is part of the core vaccines is for canine distemper. And that's also highly contagious. And if your dog gets canine distemper, I feel like I'm not saying that right. You are. Distemper. It sounds weird in my... Sounds weird. (laughs) (laughs) So if your dog gets canine distemper, um, it's 50% of the time fatal. 
So it spreads through the nose and eye discharge of infected dogs. So your dog, your dog can get it from like a water bowl or food bowl that another infected dog drank or ate out of. And signs are respiratory, digestive, and nervous system signs. And I didn't know this, but if it's a chronic, if it becomes chronic and not treated, um, they can get large pad disease. Have you heard of that? No, I have not. No? So it's called hyperkeratosis. Mm -hmm. And then the pads of your, the pads of the paws Mm -hmm. just become thicker and thicker. Crazy. And they might even look like hairy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I saw pictures and I was like, oh, seems Mm -hmm. like, like bit like a callus yeah but like it it grows like its hairs oh yeah weird yeah. and um what else does it cause it cause uh inflammation of the brain Ooh, that's a bad one yeah so also like like you said it's spread through like water bowls and and stuff like that also like these are this is another reason why if you're getting a puppy um until they have their full set of vaccines to not expose them to any other dogs or any other places Mm -hmm. like take them out on your own and like the likelihood if like you know if you live in a park and stuff is probably or or if you're taking them to the park or taking them outside just on your own is probably pretty low but still like be knowledgeable and know what to look out for but um like so even if you're taking them out and exposing them to other dogs or whatever like they when you, you watch dogs interact with each other there's a lot of sniffing they're totally up in each other's snoots and boots (laughs) or or hoops (laughs) Um, both ends uh, are they use to greet each other with and um, they there's like licking there's like sniffing and like even my two dogs like Becky like licks Gibbon's face like constantly and stuff like that yeah it's like depending on which dogs you're exposing them to like you can't watch like every single interaction with them right like when you're out socializing with your dog you're socializing too you're not necessarily watching every move that they make and um yeah so it's just better not to until they have their full set of vaccines as a puppy correct and and even some are the next one i'm going to talk about is spread through infected urine so even like taking your dog to the dog park or even in your front lawn, like near the sidewalk, that's where dogs urinate. Mm -hmm. So you never know. Just, uh, you know, be careful and mindful of where you're going. Mm -hmm. Maybe your backyard is better. Yeah. But then again, like there's raccoons and squirrels and who knows. So yeah, the next one that is spread uh, by infected urine is canine hepatitis which is also called adeno, adenovirus. Mm-hmm. So signs of that is vomiting, abdominal pain, diarrhea, the usual. Yeah, <laughs> And coughing. Uh, it causes liver damage, eye damage, and respiratory problems. And our last one that's part of the core vaccines is rabies. So this is a required one, uh, depending on where you live they mandate like how often it has to be given and we're talk- we're going to talk about that later so this affects all mammals including humans and it can be fatal signs weakness aggression i thought there was another one that was spread to humans also i think it's in the non-core vaccines okay so those are the diseases um that you need vaccinations for for your puppy or dog. And then we're going to talk about the non-core vaccine. So these are the ones that you can discuss with your vet, depending on your lifestyle. So let's say uh, you like to go hiking and you think you're going to bring your dog with you, then vaccination for Lyme disease mm-hmm. might be a good idea. Or if you're going to kennel your dog, Bordetella would be a good idea. Um, so we're going to go through these. So Bordetellosis. which is also Bordetella, also known as kennel cough. So signs of that is coughing, nasal discharge, and fever. Um, More serious cases, your dog might have pneumonia. So if you're bringing your dog, like I said, to the kennel or bringing your dog to the dog park or training classes, um, that might be a good idea to get for your dog. And this isn't a vaccine. I think it's actually given orally, right? I think it's like a liquid that's given orally. Have you ever heard a dog with kennel cough before? 
Yes. Oh, it's awful. They sound like a barking seal. Like it sounds like imagine the worst cold you've ever had where it literally sounds like. Oh, I haven't heard a coughing. dog, but I've heard of dogs. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's an it's a horrible sound. Like if your dog's got the kennel cough, like you will know for sure. Oh, <laughs> it's awful. It almost sounds like like a kid with like croup. Like it's like that seal like. Croup. Croup. Yeah, I was going like, to say that horrible, like coarse, like coughing. Oh. Like, yeah, it's really sad. My friend's dog had it once and I was like, I listened to the cough and I was just like, it was uncomfortable to like listen to this like cough. I was like, oh my God. Oh no. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. No, I've never heard a dog with it, but I've heard of dogs. So yeah. when I had Wiggum, um, the breeder where I got Wiggum from, he would kennel his own dog. So if I were to go on vacation, I could bring Wiggum back to the breeder. And that was something that was required. If I were to bring Wiggum, Wiggum there to get boarded, that they had to have their kennel cough meds. And they only last for six months. All of yeah. these non-core vaccines or medications, um, I think, are very short-term. Like, they only last a few months. And I think it's about six months. Yeah. And I was going to mention too, like, like you said, like, um, if you plan on boarding your dog or taking them for training of any sorts or taking them for grooming or whatever, um, call way in advance and ask what, what the requirements are to bring your dog. Because yes. most organizations mm -hmm. or, or various businesses or whatever offering those types of services will have a policy that your dog needs a very certain, like specific vaccinations to come for that service. So yes, you you know, yeah, like and I you have... might have to provide proof, so get a record yeah. from your vet. Yeah, for sure. And um, like I had friends uh, last year who were planning a trip and didn't think of that. So like they had planned out like this to uh, kennel their dog at a, at a business. And then um, the week of their the business was like, okay, so yeah, bring in this, bring in that, bring in proof of these vaccinations. And they were like, what? Because they didn't have these vaccinations for their oh. dog. And <laughs> so <laughs> they were asking us to dog sit for them. So um, just uh, like whenever you're planning uh, anything like that, always like check yes. with the organization that uh, whose services you're using. Because even for grooming, I think most places require that you need at the very minimum like rabies shots. Oh, but, yeah. Um, some others might re require others, again, depending on how, how they kennel their dogs, like how close they are to each other, like different orga organizations may have different policies. So mm -hmm. heads up. <laughs> yeah. Um, our next one, this is actually one of the causes of kennel cough, is canine parainfluenza virus. So it's pretty much the same. It's usually mild. Um, same signs with a hacking cough. Our next one, leptospirosis. So there's a bunch of variants of this one. Some are more severe than others. Uh, I could cause lethargy, kidney and liver uh, failure, achy joints and muscles, and uh, vomiting and <laughs> bleeding problems. <laughs> and this is the other one. If your dog has an active infection, it can infect humans. Oof. Mm -hmm. Oh, I saw the name for that. It's zoo, zootonic. It's a zootonic illness because it can infect humans. Oh, Ooh. Zoolander. <laughs> That's what makes me think of that. It's very random of me to just. <laughs> you don't want your dog to get the Zoolander. You don't want your dog to get the Zoolander. <laughs> um, and this is transmitted through urine. Again, this one. There's a lot of areas in the States and in Canada that have this. And if you have an outdoor lifestyle or going to these areas that are prevalent in leptospirosis, um, consider vaccinating your dog for this. And our last one that I mentioned earlier is Borreliosis. <laughs> It <laughs> sounds like I'm in Harry Potter. <laughs> Expecto borreliosis. <laughs> um, also known as Lyme disease. So it spreads through the bite of an infected tick. 
Uh, signs are lethargy, fever, poor appetite, swollen glands, and it affects the kidneys, joints, and heart. So again, um, like I said, if you have an outdoor lifestyle and you're going to go hiking or go in trails, um, this would be a good one for your doggy. Mm-hmm. And other meds that you're going to encounter along the way is heartworm meds. So this isn't a vaccine, but it's irregular meds. Um, so heartworms are located usually in the heart and they can travel. They can, yeah, they can travel to your lip, to the, not your, but your dog's liver <laughs> and kidneys. And they could be up to 14 inches long. And don't they, and this one's quite fatal as well. And isn't that from like deer poop? No. So this one is transmitted by mosquitoes. Oh, but yes. maybe mosquitoes get it from deer because I yeah. it's something to do with the deer because I remember having a conversation with my vet about it. I think it's like I know ticks. I know ticks um, feed on mice and deer, mm-hmm. but I don't know about worms like probably could be. I think it's like a, a like I forget what our conversation was and stuff like that. Cause I asked her, cause like, again, when, when you go to the vet, all like every vaccine you get, it like ramps up, ramps up and your bill just like mm-hmm. climbs and climbs. Right. And so you want to have that conversation about what it is you're doing with your dog. Where are you going with your dog? Which ones do you need? Which ones do you not need? And depending on your vet, you know, some of them push, push all the vaccines, whereas some of them are willing to like negotiate with you and be like, okay, well, if you're taking your dogs to the cottage, like I strongly recommend mm-hmm. you get like this one, this one, this one, this one. And um, I asked her about the heartworm because I was like, what are the statistics on this? Like how many dogs have you seen in your veterinarian career with heartworm? And she was like, yeah, like one. very low. Yeah, it's yeah. very, it's like super low. <laughs> so I was like, you know, you don't want to take that chance. Like you feel bad, but like, it's, it's the same as like winning the lottery. Like what are the chances when you buy a ticket that you're going to buy the lottery? But yeah, it depends on whether you're willing to gamble that with your dog. And, you know, my dogs are running at the cottage where there are potentially ticks. There's deer poop. There's deer. There's yeah. Lots of mosquitoes. Ponds. There's mosquitoes like everywhere. They like, it's insane. Like in, in the springtime when the mosquitoes all come out and Gibbs comes back from, from the cottage, Gibbon is a Weimaraner. He's short hair and he's almost like, um, those those hairless cats like underneath like his skin is like it's literally like right down to the skin so you can see like every scratch every mosquito bite every like so when he comes home yeah. in spring from the cottage it literally looks like he like he has um measles <laughs> like there's just mosquito <laughs> bites like all underneath his tummy and everything like that so I was just like yeah like I'll get it just in case you know they're getting eaten alive out there yeah, so, I think this one is very common. Like, I don't, I think most people give their dogs heartworm, heartworm meds. But, but again, again if, like, if you're living in a high rise in the city yes. and all you're going to be doing is walking your dog on the sidewalk, yeah. um, there's no grass, there's no, like, not a lot of mosquitoes, then maybe you don't need to give your dog heartworm meds. Yeah. And you're going to get a variety of, like, different types of owners. It's kind of like the anti vaxxers, like, for us mm-hmm. humans and yeah. stuff, right? And people with their dogs might be anti-vaxxers for different reasons. They either think that their dog doesn't need it or some people simply cannot afford, like they buy a dog but don't have like the income to support all of these extra things that come along with dog ownership because they don't think of that, right? Like it's, dogs cost like, you know, at least a uh, you know, in, in, in vaccines alone, like I would say like yeah. at least a couple hundred bucks, like a year. Cause you got to take them in, you got to get the rabies at the very least, especially like, yes, even in the most suburban of neighborhoods, like you said, there's raccoons and rabbits and bats and mice and mm-hmm. rabbits. And I mean, if that's the case, if you can't afford it, then maybe like you do your research and you know how they're spread. So maybe avoid all these areas. Yeah. Like maybe and, all you will be able to do is walk your dog on the and, sidewalk. And, and there is like, and you get the more n- natural paths with their dogs too, right? Like, mm-hmm, so, yeah. you know, if there's a lot of people making products like uh, mosquito repellent and, and things like that. Um, so if you're 
not typically going to the forest with your dog like every day but the odd time you go then you spray them down with the, there's like sprays that you can get that are like you know and under like 20 bucks uh or there's stuff that people have gone online and shown you how to make like your homemade like uh versions of this stuff as well so yeah it's it all it's all up to you and yeah. what you're doing with your doggy yeah yeah. So I think we can move on to the puppy. Oh, actually, there's the fleas also. There's a topical medication that you can give. And I, this one uh, prevents fleas and ticks. So it's like, I remember I used to give this to Wiggum. Um, it was like spreading his fur and getting to the skin. And it's like a little squeezy bottle. Mm-hmm. And we just like put it topically on his skin. And it's three doses. So that will help prevent th- th- fleas and ticks three doses like over what period of time i think it's every month oh okay like for the summer months yeah hmm i'd have to look that up it's kind of like the heartworm meds i think they're from june to november here oh okay well yeah i remember because when i like we we buy tick meds for our dogs again because they're like constantly running in like wooded areas and um it's very expensive and they just recently allowed um, the bigger box companies and different stores to sell it uh, over the counter there. Like it used to be that you could only get like the, the flea and tick meds from the veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now PetSmart smell, uh, smelling it, <laughs> PetSmart smelling <laughs> it, <clears throat> selling it and same with Pet oh, Value and a lot of those other ones. But yeah, again, there's like a variety of options when dealing with like yeah. fleas and ticks. And and depending we, where you live, exactly, you might have to do it year month. long. Like even like, and that's the conversation I had with her because I was like, okay, like, so just for the summer. And she's like, well, she's like what they recommend. And it says right on the box is like any month that has a day over five degrees because that's how like the conditions that fleas can survive in that you should be giving it to them and we live like in a, this very weird climate in the city of ottawa <laughs> where like, like it was even, 23 the other day yeah, and now 23 it's and now it's one. like yeah exactly a and day later. even even in i don't know if you even remember a couple of christmases ago like on the christmas yes. eve it was like sunny outside and, and people my were kids golfing were biking and like golfing and it was like there was no and the snow squirrels the were fat did you notice the squirrels <laughs> yes <laughs> i remember walking wiggum and i was like holy moly the squirrels are fat <laughs> they've been like feeding Chunky all this squirrels. time yes exactly <laughs> so um yeah, you, you have to read the instructions on these things or, again, like, just speak to your vet about, like, what's uh, what's what. Yeah, um, and what they recommend. And vaccines, like, just before we move on from this, just because, like, you know, I've met dog owners. There's just a couple of more things I want to say on the topic. And yeah, one is know the dogs that you're hanging out with. Because again, like, so for instance, I was in this routine for a while, not anymore because my schedule changed slightly with my work or whatever. But I would come home from work, I would go across the street to the park. And like, there was a group of five or six of us that would all bring our dogs to the park at the same time, we'd let them off leash and they'd play with each other. So I was with these same people like on the daily. And so I would just nonchalantly bring up in like a conversation, oh man, I, you know, I had to take Gibbs to the vet the other day. It's so pricey, eh? Like what vaccines do you guys get? And so that you're creating a Mm -hmm. conversation, but also finding out which of these dogs that you're hanging out with are vaccinated, right? So finding out and people like, again, they feel differently about um, like, so somebody, like I said, oh, you know, I get the lepto and I get the stuff, um, rabies of course and stuff like that because like i said my dogs are in the woods constantly whereas like some of the other two who just walk their dogs like to this park like that's the extent Mm -hmm. of wilderness they get um don't get that but they travel often and they're kenneling their dog often so they get the kennel cough like the bordetella like each time because of their traveling and stuff like that and then i have another friend who literally never her dog never sees another dog ever she walks her dog twice a day um she goes down like a somewhat like wooded path or whatever but like never off leash so she has uh, her dog on leash all the time and she went to a veterinary a veterinarian who said then yeah you no need to vaccinate your dog she cares for her own dog she grooms her own dog her dog doesn't see any other dogs so as a puppy yes was vaccinated against those 
those core things because those are absolutely important. But in terms of the non-core ones, like the kennel cough, like the lepto, the bordetella, like all, all that stuff, she didn't need to. And he recommended not doing it um, because he he said the, le- the less you can vaccinate your dog, the better. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it all, everybody's got a different uh, view on it. Um, again, there's many different reasons, but I would say my, my, um, recommendation is to know the dogs that you're hanging out with and what vaccinations they have. And, um, and yeah, like pick and choose. And depending on how your vet is, if you find that they're super pushy and, and, and getting you to vaccinate for every single thing and not listening to you and your dog's lifestyle, I would switch vets. Yeah. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> yes. I, I, I don't want to come across as like a, a veterinarian hater on here. Like, <laughs> I hope I don't give that impression no. like in these episodes. But you, it's, it's you know, it's the same as like any other thing. There's good ones. There's it's how it ones, is. And it's, yeah, exactly. And, and it's expensive. They are an expensive service. They are. So. I really liked my vet because they they really like discussed with you like what you wanted and what they recommended. And it was just like, okay, step one, we're going to do this. Whereas other vets would be like, we need to do all of these things right now. Yeah. And then it's very costly. Yes. All right. On to puppy vaccination schedule. So if you're getting your puppy from a breeder um, and you're getting them at eight weeks, they should have their first set of vaccination for distemper and parvovirus. And then you have three boosters and they should be about uh, separated. There should be about four weeks in between them. So around 12 weeks, you should give a, they should, bleh, your dog should be receiving a booster for distemper, adenovirus uh, and parvovirus. I also have, I've, Depending on which website uh, you look, um, the puppy schedule includes different things. So this one that I saw, well, I, I looked at a few, but this, the one that stood out the most that I kind of agreed with the most had para-influenza. So I don't know if I actually agree with that one, but yeah. um, as one of the required vaccinations at 12 weeks. So distemper, adenovirus, and parvovirus for sure. Um, At 12 weeks, this is the time that you could give your first lepto and bordetella vaccines, which lasts only about six months. And your puppy could be getting deworming at this point because your puppy gets um, worms from the mom's milk Mm -hmm. and they need to be dewormed for that. And then at 16 to 18 weeks, you get, again, um, your required boosters. So, again, distemper, adenovirus, and parvovirus. Uh, They could get lepto again. And this is at, um, geez, at 16 weeks, they could get their first Lyme disease, depending on what you're doing with your puppy. But I really feel that at 16 to 18 weeks, you shouldn't be taking your puppy, like, on a trail or hiking. Yeah. Yeah. And they would get dewormed again at this point. And then you get to your first year booster, which is, again, distemper, adenovirus, and parvovirus. And then depending on your opinion, what you believe in, what you're deciding to do for your dog, um, some recommend getting these boosters every year or every three years. And oh, I didn't talk about rabies. Oh, yeah, the rabies. The rabies. Um, you, your dog should be getting their first rabies shot around 16 to 18 weeks. And then every one to three years. And this depends on provincial laws. So depending on where you live, I think where we are. Is it every year here? I can't remember. No, it's every, I think, two to three. Okay. I think it's three even yeah, I think it's three. Yeah. And even the other boosters, uh, depending on what you decide to do, you can get them every three years. I know my vet recommended every three years for Wiggum. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. my my guys are three years too. Yeah. I think my every year is too much. Yeah. 
You can get titers done also mm-hmm. to see the level of antibodies in your dog's blood and then yeah, decide from there. Mm-hmm. But that's another cost, but. Yep. Yep. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes they'll recommend that. Check and see where they're at. See if they need a little yeah. boost. So, Yeah. Your puppy should be getting, yeah, they should be getting three boosters with four weeks in between, and then they get their one-year booster. And then after that, depending on what you decide to do, um, every one to three years. Yeah. And look at the law for rabies in your area. Absolutely. And I would say, like, when bef- each time before going to the vet, whether it's a checkup or whatever, read through these things so that you know what they are again. Because, again, they're, the, these you're going to get to the appointment. They're going to say, all right, do you want like this vaccine, this vaccine, this, how about we give them this? And how about we give them that? And if you're like, oh yeah, what is that one again? And you're like, not sure. Do a quick read through before you go to the vet so that you, you can negotiate a bit more with your vet and you'll know like what you'll need. Okay. Well, we're not really doing this. So like, we don't need that. We're not kenneling. So no, I don't want that. Like, and, and that kind of stuff. And I know my vet always gave a vaccination record. Yeah after every new vaccine. So you can ask for that and then you, it's better to keep track yeah, we, of what vet, was given where because that can get confusing, especially if you have more than one dog at their different ages. Exactly. Our, our vet gives you a little digital chart like with a password so that I can like, let's say I wanted to take my dog to the groomers next week or whatever. I can log on to Gibbon's chart and I can print off any of the records that, that they have. Ooh, yeah it's like, it's like little, my chart i was gonna say it's like a little my chart for my doggies <laughs> <laughs> little snoot chart snoots all right so are we gonna move on to some of the most common problemos yes all right so um i found in a couple of different sites the top reasons why people take their dogs to the vet so came up with a list and I'm going to go through them one by one. Um, so the first, uh, or number 10, is cancer. Cancer. Now, looking mm. at your dog, how can you tell if they have cancer? But, like, again, if you see, like, a growth, if something's changing and and that kind of thing, and you're starting to get freaked out or whatever, like, growths is, like, another one of the things down the list. So I'm kind of, like, killing two birds with, st- with the one stone here. But... If you're starting to notice a growth of any kind, I would take them to the vet because the vet's going to be able to do a quick assessment and, you know, um, just going by feel, get might be able to get an idea of what it is. Now, obviously, you can't without proper testing and stuff like that. But as an example, uh, Gibbon got porcupine recently up at the cottage. Uh, we took him in for the super expensive uh, dequilling of the face. Mm. And... Um, she when I went to pick him up she said oh did you notice there's a growth on the side of his face and I always thought it was like his cheek muscle because there was like one on either side of his face and on one side I guess it was the muscle but on the other side there's a growth in it and it's and it's about the size of a pea and she had a feel at it and she said it feels soft it's mobile like you can move it around and stuff which tends to make one believe that it is not cancer so she said just keep an eye on it and it could even be an infection from one of the quills so watch them on the antibiotics and see if it decreases and we can go from there so some people like depending on again like how quick you are to take your dog to the vet and stuff like that um may try stuff at home for that i remember i had a friend with a cat who had his growth on his arm it was getting bigger it just seemed like um it was like a little pocket of something. So we had discussed, like we were, we work in the medical profession, taking some syringes and stuff like that from home and just like sort of uh, draining it ourselves. And I am sure glad that we did not because it ended up being like a nasty sarcoma. And when they biopsied it at the vet, it like flourished and opened and she ended up having to remove her, her cat's arm. So with growths, I wouldn't go experimenting with any like home stuff. (laughs) I would take <laughs> no. them to the, I would take them to the vet and let them like ha- handle that stuff. And same with cancer, like it, you don't know, like un- unless you're a vet or you have somebody who works in the field, you don't know what's cancerous, what's not. So again, cancer, growths, anything like that, I would yeah, I would be taking them in. 
Um, number nine on the list is cruciate ligament tears and surgeries. Ooh. So, Yowchies. um There's been several times where I know I, I've talked about my father several times on this show, but he takes my dogs regularly <laughs> up to the cottage and there are no rules and there is like no <laughs> no boundaries at all and um they come home from the cottage literally limping because they have run so much like it's like they cannot like move like again and especially as like our dogs get older that becomes harder on their muscles right so i don't let them like run as much when i'm up there but um my dad is an untrainable dog <laughs> <laughs> and uh lets them do whatever they want um so my feeling on that, and again, like this is going to be individual to individual, like a, another friend of ours who owns dogs, like when she notices her dog is limping, she goes straight to the vet right away. And again, it depends on whether you have insurance or not. Like it depends on where you are at with your income and how much you're willing to spend on your dog. But I will let my dogs go several days. Can you hear them woof, woof, woofing in the background? No, they're, bark they're barking. Given it, there must be a big. Like, I know you're talking fat about squirrels me. out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will let them go several days to watch to see if it will resolve on its own. Because, like most of the time, if they rest, um, it gets better over. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm good to give it a good two or three days. And if I see that they're not progressing or it's not getting any better, then I might go take them into the vet. I might like massage them like a little bit, like try to massage like yes. their, their muscles where they're limping and stuff just to give them a hand. And also if your dog is starting to age and you're noticing that they're a bit more stiff, especially after a lot of activity, I would start putting glucosamine in their food yes. and glucosamine you can buy from any pharmacy it's like cheap 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 you sprinkle it on top of their food and they don't even notice or, or you can give it in pill form depending on how good your dog is at taking pills I've had like the worst of the worst and like the best of the best <laughs> in terms of <laughs> pill takers and um but I would highly recommend glucosamine for um, once your dogs start getting up there in, in age and especially just keep an eye on them and see like, oh, yeah, you, you start to notice as they get older, like, oh, they're getting a bit stiff there. Like, you know, they. Yeah. And take it easy. Like if your dog. Yeah. And this is like might be obvious, but if your dog is limping, then like take it easy for a few days and see see if it gets better like don't bring your dog to the dog park or take long walks exactly or take them on your like 25 kilometer run because you're getting ready for a marathon <laughs> yeah you know what I mean like yeah give them a break like when they come back from the cottage limping like I don't I, I don't even take them out for a walk for like the next three four days until they start sort of like sprucing mm -hmm. up again and I I try to tell my dad to take it easy on them don't let them run so much but they have their own thing going and that's why they're like super excitable whenever my dad comes because they're like yay it's Christmas no rules at all but um yeah all right number eight on the list is allergies so Ooh. Allergies is also going to touch on some of the other things on the list as well. Allergies can come in many different forms in dogs. And again, it's just like humans. Like when we get nauseous and vomiting and diarrhea, it could be a variety of things. It could be your digestive system. It could be an allergy to something that you've eaten. It could be a very specific thing going on in your body. Maybe there's something wrong with your liver. Maybe there's something wrong with your gallbladder. Maybe there it's your appendix. Maybe like there can be a variety of issues. Yes. So you kind of have to sort of guess. And that's why it's like obviously good to take your dog to the vet. But again, if you can troubleshoot a couple of things first, you may not have to. So if you've introduced a new food and now all of a sudden your dog's like vomiting and has like runny eyes and a runny nose, or if like, um, it's allergy season and you're noticing like you take mm -hmm. your dog out in the grass and they come in and they're sneezing, 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 sneezing and have discharge from their nose itchy. and stuff like that. And they're itchy and stuff like that. You, you watch out for things like that too. It could be that uh, also that they ran into something. If you're letting them go in a wooded area, maybe they ran in, ran through some poison Ivy. Maybe they did something like that. So like, just keep an eye on things and, Poison ivy, I would say, is, like, fairly obvious. Like, they're going to have some, like, really <laughs> yes. nasty, like, skin stuff going on. But, um, you know, just take a moment to think through, okay, what have we changed? What were they doing? When did this start? 
monitor and try to like troubleshoot a couple of things and see if it's making any difference. And then again, if things are not getting any better or they're not clearing up, uh, I would go ahead and um, take them on into the vet. To the um, vet. So the number seven on the list. <clears throat> I know, did Wiggum have some allergies before we move on? Yes, Wiggum had, I don't even know what he was allergic to, but it was year round. Um, I'm thinking it was probably his food. Because mm. I did try to switch his food quite a few times. And I finally switched him to I think it was a grain free food and that significantly helped but it didn't um completely go away so yeah he did have some allergies yes but I don't think they were seasonal or anything or anything like that it's yeah yeah it's hard to troubleshoot right so number seven on the list is urinary tract infections so mm. this is like uh, i've heard this a whole bunch of times it's a common thing it's like your dog's fine they're doing great you're going about your business life is good you love your dog and then all of a sudden you start noticing they're having accidents around the house you come home there's a big pee in the kitchen there's a big pee outside their crate or something like that and people are very quick to anger like what the hell did you do man <laughs> like you have <laughs> such a good thing going like what's your problem yeah. and they get and they think it's a behavioral issue but if you notice your dog is having accidents and they don't normally, chances are it's a health issue. Yeah, and something's going on. Something's going on there. And and I would just keep an eye on it and, uh, again, make sure, like, they're drinking lots of water, um, that, that type of stuff, to see if maybe that's it. Maybe you forgot to fill the water bowl or something like that and, like, they're just dehydrated now. They've got, like, a urinary tract infection. You can try that. Monitor their drinking watch how yes. many times they're yeah. going outside to pee if you're noticing it's like more frequent and that's the reason for the accidents again you're going to have to take them in because they're going to need antibiotics yeah. of some kind and they might be mopey lethargic yeah a little like hanging around a little mm -hmm. like a little bit more licking of the genitals than normal yes <laughs> <laughs> you know just sort of keep an eye on them and see what's going on there um Next one on the list is growth, which I kind of like mentioned with cancer. Like if you're noticing a new growth somewhere, if you're noticing that it's getting bigger, um, that sort of thing. I'm going to give another example of this. So, and this is so hilarious too. It's like, it seems to be a trend with my dogs. So when Becky got porcupine <laughs> <laughs> several Aww. years, I've got a, we never, I've never even saw a porcupine at her cottage for like literally in all my life. <laughs> they and obviously have. <laughs> in the past three to five years, they've just been hitting up like each dog of mine. L luckily, it seems that they learned their lesson after the first porcupining and they don't go back because Becky was the first to get porcupined when I had Becky and Scraps. And then literally a year to the date, Scraps got porcupined. And then we didn't have a porcupine issue forever. <laughs> and then this summer, Gibbs got porcupined. And Becky was with him. So, like, Becky was with both, like, Scraps when he got porcupined. And then with Gibbs when he got porcupined. So, I know Becky's learned her lesson. Becky's like, I told you not to. <laughs> so, <laughs> the... Um, so Becky got porcupined first. We got her dequilled, no issues at all. So like I said, the following year, scrap she's with Scraps. Scraps got porcupine. And Scraps was much older. So the general anesthetic was super hard on him. And so and it's it's very stressful because it's it's so painful on them and you just feel so friggin' bad for them. And so we had taken Scraps in. It, it was we were fussing over Scraps all day long. When he came back, he was so, so out of it from the from the general anesthetic. So I was trying to get him to drink and trying to get him just to like lay down and settle and I'm here I am fussing 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 and then um right before I went to bed I went to go say goodnight to Becky she was sleeping on the couch and I was like god I should check her too just in case because she was probably with him and see if he has any if she has any quills on her anywhere so I do a full body check I go down her body check her tail check her legs like everything I open up her mouth and she has this mass in her mouth and I was like, what the heck? So I was like, was it, and it looked like it was like an infected tooth. And I was like, oh my God, I just spent like so much money at the vet. And now an infected tooth, that's going to be like thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. I was just like, no. So I was like, crap. So the next morning, first thing I do is call the vet. I take Becky in and he squeezes on it. And I thought she was going to like jump through the roof or like bite off his hand or whatever. And she didn't budge like an inch. Ooh. 
So I was like, oh, and he's like, okay. So he's like, this isn't an infected tooth. And I was like, yay. And he's like, but what it's called is an epulis. So an epulis um, is either a cancerous or benign growth that grows in the connective tissue of the jaws of, of and it, certain breeds are prone to it. And because she's a mix and we don't really know what she is, <clears throat> who knows if she's one of those breeds. But anyways, she has this massive growth like that's covering um, a couple of her teeth now. So it started at like half a centimeter, but it was like nothing. So he said, so he's like, we could either do the surgery, but if they find out that it's cancerous on the inside, um, the treatment is you remove the jaw that it's affecting. So it's on wow. her lower, it's on her lower te- teeth. So I was like, okay, well, she's young, she's healthy. I would have never have even seen this on her face if I wasn't going looking for like por- porcupine quills. Eventually yeah. I would have seen it, I'm sure. It's not bothering her. She's eating, she's running, she's healthy. I'm not going to go doing the surgery because if it is cancer, then we put her down. Like what? She was like six at the time, like five or six. Yeah. So I was like, no, let's wait. Let's keep, once this starts affecting her, then we'll go to remove it. So even now it's, it's, so this was like several years ago that we found it. Now it's grown. It's at about like a full centimeter now, but again, she eats no problem. It doesn't problem. bother her. So she runs, she runs everywhere. So I'm, I'm not going to pay for the surgery to do it because there's a chance that the surgery might be bye bye Becky. Yeah. Cause like you wouldn't remove yeah. a lower jaw. No, I'm not going to remove her lower jaw no. and put a feeding like, tube would in happen? her face. Like, yeah, well, yeah, that's what they do. They would put a feeding tube in place. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do no. that to a dog. You know, no. some some people do. That's fine. Like, uh, I'm not because it's expensive, and I don't want to be taking care of a feeding tube on a dog. <laughs> like, and it's not fair to her. You can't explain to them like what's going on, right? You can't be like, so we're going to take off half of your jaw, okay, Becky? Like. <laughs> Yeah, you won't be able to eat. No. And One of their many joys. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, it's just so sad. So anyway, so Becky has this growth on her mouth. And until it starts affecting her day-to-day living, we're not doing anything about it. And some people feel that way about like several different growths. But like, again, like cancer comes in many different shapes, sizes, forms. It grows at different mm-hmm. rates. So if you no- you're noticing a growth on your dog, like I would monitor it because if it goes from like one centimeter to eight centimeters in a matter of like two months, you might want to get that removed. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, you can play it by ear. So number five on the list is pain. So pain is one of those tricky things to... um notice in dogs yes because they can't Uh, talk to you they can't talk to you and again it manifests in like different ways one of the most common ways to tell if your dog is in pain is panting but sometimes they pant Mm -hmm. because they're hot and and stuff like that but if you notice like your dog is like licking and licking and licking and licking and licking and panting and panting and panting and panting like scraps was like that near the end of his life because he was like just arthritic like everywhere and he was in a lot of pain Um, you can go to the vet for some like vet drugs, but there's also a lot of things that you can use that are safe for, for animals. So Tylenol is safe for animals. It is. I'm pretty sure. I didn't know that. It is. I don't think they recommend giving Advil because Advil is like a blood thinner. And so like, if there's something going on, like internally with them, you don't want to make them bleed more. And it's a little bit harder on their stomachs as well. So you might induce vomiting and, and stuff like that. But I'm pretty sure Tylenol is is uh, safe. I know Gravol is safe for dogs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if they're having like, you know, if they get motion sick in the car when you're driving up to the cottage and they're vomiting and drooling like crazy and stuff like that. But anyway, so pain's like a difficult one. So again, like Scraps, um, when he was older and arthritic, like even like standing up, he'd be like, <laughs> like ah. standing up and like he would just yeah and he would get up and like stretch it out and be like oh, and like finally like standing up and it was just like oh buddy and um just like uh, one thing I forgot to mention too like like we were giving him glucosamine when we started noticing he was a bit more stiff and and a bit more pain and stuff we we started the glucosamine that made a significant improvement with him for quite a while and then age 
ruth as ruthless as it is <laughs> continues yeah. it's, it's a deteriorating path and um he uh continued to get like worse and worse where it was like literally like very difficult for him to like stand up from a laying down position so there's this like arthritis medication called medicam that you can get for dogs and it is two hundred dollars a bottle and i had a friend tell me like she was like so look if you look at medicam and you look at this medication for humans called mobocox it is like the exact same ingredients exact same and mobocox is used for inflammation and arthritis and that sort of thing too so i had a my doctor write me a prescription for for the mobocox and we, and i cut it in half and i gave it to scraps and again like it, a huge difference it's like there was a yeah. spring in his step again and for eleven dollars rather than two hundred dollars so i mean if you're if if money is an issue for you and you're looking at other ways to sort of handle what's going on with your pets like when it comes to meds like obviously there's certain things that like you can't go substituting because there's stuff that's safe for them and stuff that there isn't but go online and do a bit of research and that's i think that's all i'm going to say about that but yeah pain is is a tough one for yeah for the, and for i think dog is. yeah if you're touching your dog and they react differently if you get to a certain spot um that might be because it's painful yeah oh yeah for sure like if you went to touch scraps in like a certain spot like he would like not like, like snap or anything or... like yeah jerk yeah. or like yelp or or that mm -hmm. sort of thing the next one on the list is eye conditions mm. and uh, i'm gonna address these both together kind of there's a, so number four and number three are eye conditions and ear infections so eye infections again you're gonna notice that's fairly noticeable they're gonna have discharge like goo coming out of their eyes they're gonna like uh you're gonna like you know those it's so gross but you, they get the massive like eye boogers sometimes like yes. green and it's like really filling up and covering their eye um i personally would would tr initially try to treat that one at home uh polysporin drops are are yes okay to use on animals mm -hmm. um the, the other thing you can do is just take a warm cloth and wipe it away like every day and try to keep the warm cloth on their face if they can tolerate it. Like warm compresses help for humans. It helps for dogs too. Um, try to manage it a bit that way. If it's not getting better and it's getting worse, it could be that they need some heavy duty antibiotics and by all means take them to the vet. <clears throat> and um, that's all I really have to say about eyes, unless you notice again, like a huge growth or whatever that could be uh, causing yeah. it. It could be that they have something in there too. Like, you know, if they were running through the woods and got like a stick in there or like a whatever, and like eyes just like start to drain, right? Cause like if they get infected, mm -hmm. it's like bleh, and they just like, yeah. Totally. Um, I know Wiggum had a growth um, in his lower eyelid, one of his lower eyelids and I think it was, I can't remember what the right term is, but it was like a pocket of something and then it would get big and it would actually fall and then he wouldn't have a growth for a while and then it would come back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, almost like a skin tag, but like around the mm -hmm. eyelid. Yeah. A recurrent skin tag, but it was like inside. Weird. Mm -hmm. And um, I know my sister's um, little wiener dog, Pogo, gets like blocked tear duct like fairly often too. Oh, yeah. So, um again like i would if you start noticing like any discharge like as soon as you start noticing it i would start with those warm compresses maybe give them like a little saline spritz to the eye to clean clear mm -hmm. things out try to do that like a couple of times a day and again if it's not getting better then take the take them on into the bed and then uh as i said number three there was the ears so ears and all these different things like especially when you get to like eyes and ears and stuff like that there's like very breed specific um, things that can happen with like an animal, like certain breeds that are more prone to that. Apparently wiener mm -hmm. dogs are super prone to like block tear ducts and stuff like that. And as well as when we're, uh, addressing ear infections here, all of the hound dogs with the big floppy yes. ears are way more prone to ear infections. 
yeah. um because they're not open to air yeah and everything stays stays in there and can sit festers and, <laughs> yes and when I bought Gibbon from the breeder, like he showed me, he said, definitely clean their ears. Like you have to clean their ears. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not super on top of cleaning their ears. I was in the beginning. There's different solution. They say not to use an alcohol solution on the ears because it dry things out, dries things out too much. And you might do a bit more damage to the ears. And one of the best, most cheapest way to clean your dog's ears is apple cider vinegar everybody Ooh! so get like a cotton swab and my vet showed me how to properly clean the ears and it sounds like super gross and it i'm not gonna lie it is super gross <laughs> <laughs> but you can lift their ear and go down to like the like the second knuckle of your finger like yes. that's how deep you can go and you want to swirl stuff around in there so you don't want to go like pouring like uh, open pouring like apple cider apple cider vinegar into their ears or any solution that you're using you want to like super wet like a either a cotton swab or um, cotton something and you want to go right down in like like really move it around and then like pull mm -hmm. everything up I wouldn't recommend using q-tips or anything like that because oh, obviously no. if the dog moves around or switches his head now you're gonna like damage like the eardrum but like it's it's gross how far you can stick your finger in yeah. your ear <laughs> like and they don't even and again like I had Gibbs from a pup so I always like every day I would do like a veterinarian exam on him I would touch his ears I would like go try to touch inside his ears with my fingers I would touch his paws I would touch his tail I would like literally that I know this is like very might sound like I'm violating my dog but these are the types of things you have to prepare them for and I've gotten yeah. compliments every time I go to the vet because he's so calm because he's used to mm -hmm. us to like manhandling him all the time and he was really good about ear cleaning like he's he knows to sit and stay and it might be a bit uncomfortable but we pull all that stuff out of there but ear infections you will be able to know because they smell oh. so bad oh yes th they can get like yeasty ones and mm -hmm. Becky, uh, I've smelt her ears a couple of times. It, they start to like really stink. So they do. If, you, if you're noticing like an odor, you you get out that uh, apple cider vinegar and start start going to town because you want to avoid the vet visit and the examination fee and the antibiotic fee and the yes fee fee. And fee. I think another common sign is if they're shaking their head or they have like a head tilt. Yep. They're, they're really moving it like like tilting it to the side you can you can see it on their face they like squint and they're like eh, and they're scratching it and they're like they even make like the noise like they're like and that kind of thing um yeah i think that's all i got to say about that and uh, which brings us to number two on the list which is stomach issues and again that's like the most common thing, right? Like how many mm -hmm. times have we said vomiting and diarrhea on this episode? <laughs> Maybe we should title it that episode. I don't even know what number of episode we're on now. Is it nine? I nine? think we're 10. 10? 10. Yeah. Episode 10, vomiting and diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> but um, stomach issues. And again, just think about where you've been what your dog's been doing did you change your food did somebody give them a weird treat did they get into something like the garbage while you were out yeah did, and um so this is another <clears throat> quick little home remedy so if you physically watch your dog eat something that is dangerous or harmful to them you can take a tablespoon of peroxide you can mix it in with yogurt or something like that and feed it to your dog and they will vomit within minutes so if yes. they just if you just watch them like if you like hear him rustling around in something and you walk into the kitchen and he stole like a chocolate bar like off the counter and is like you know like three quarters of the way finish this chocolate bar go grab the peroxide mix it up give it to him and they will vomit it all out now, yeah. if you're unsure mm. of when they ate it, you can still give it a try if you want. They're just going to vomit. But if you don't know when they ate it, you're just going to make them vomit for no reason. Because once it's kind of way down in there, that's they're not going to necessarily vomit it out. And depending on what they ate and how far harmful it is to them, you may be going to the vet. <laughs> yes. 
And we yeah. should have an episode on all those toxic and poisonous foods. Yes, like that human is a good foods. idea. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. plants. Yes. And frogs. And like, <laughs> like if they eat toads, like apparently that's like super like poisonous to them. Oh, really? Oh, God. Yeah. It makes them like sick. Mm. So same thing, like um, another, I'll, I always eat, like to use examples. So uh, my friend Mark uh, used to have a German short haired pointer. He has a, another one now, but Molly was his previous uh, uh, German short haired pointer. We used to dog sit quite frequently. So me and Molly were besties. Us girls used to hang. And um, I remember Mark coming to work one day and he said, I'm really worried about Molly. And I said, why? What's going on? And so they have a cottage too. They got back from the cottage. A lot of, are you ready for it? Vomiting and diarrhea. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Boku de vomiting and diarrhea. And um, she wasn't eating and she lost like she was starting to lose weight, like to a scary point. And so he thought that she was poisoned, like, and that she had um, eaten a toad or something like they're in a very like uh, swampy sort of like area. He, so he was like, God, so he, he gave it a good like four, four or five days or whatever. But that's when she, like, she wasn't eating, she wasn't keeping anything down. She lost like so much weight. And he was like, Oh, my God. So he took her into the vet. So they couldn't find anything like painstakingly obvious at first so suggested like several blood testing and lo and behold she had the super um i think rare for dogs uh genetic disease called addison's disease so all Mm -hmm. of her electrolytes and everything were all out of out of balance and they started her on meds and then no problem she gained the weight like right back and everything was all good so you just never know right and um it's it's difficult because like you love you love these family members but uh they can be expensive at times like it's really really pricey those vets like god like thank god they're there but oh my god like any like everybody just like it's like dread it's like taking your car in when you know something's wrong you're like god is this gonna cost me like two hundred dollars or is this gonna cost me like five thousand dollars yeah it's like very daunting so yeah with stomach issues again like just question like what changes have been made what they could have possibly eaten try to push the water on them if there's a lot of vomiting and diarrhea and um, (laughs) see where it goes from there and the very last one on the list which is the number one apparent reason why people take their dogs into the vet um, is skin conditions so you start noticing spots Mm. so again this could be allergies this could be mange so I'm going to talk about mange really quick. Yeah. Mange is like, if you Google pictures of it, it's like a really nasty skin condition. So you're going to notice that they're itchy, like extreme itchiness. You're going to notice redness and rash. You're going to notice thick yellow crusts, (laughs) hair loss in in the areas in which they're itchy. Sometimes it's like yeasty. There's like a thickening of the skin. Like when, when you look at these like dog uh, rescue videos, you see that a lot of the time. It's like oh, their skin just looks in, when they're covered in it, right? Like that's like an extreme um, sort of thing. And mange is actually like it's from mites. So there's a mite on the skin and they're going to need like treatment for it. So like you you might need to clip the, the hair. You might need medicated shampoos for them. And um to tell you the truth, like, and depending on how bad it is, like you might need mite eradication and control. So I'm not sure if that stuff is veterinarian sold only, or if there's stuff um, that they sell over the counter for that at like pet stores and stuff. But um, yeah, check that out. And when talking with a couple of other friends, there's a variety of different things that you can do for dog skin. So Like I said before, um, you can throw stuff into their food. So like if you put a raw egg on top of their food, that's really good for their coat Mm -hmm. and their skin. Yes. Um, If you put... Those omega-3. Those (laughs) omega-3. Omega-3s. And um, you can also use coconut oil, like a teaspoon of coconut oil, throw it on top Mm. of their food. Coconut oil, you can also put on their skin. Are they going to lick it off? Absolutely. But is a little bit of it going to get in and maybe help them? They 
maybe give it a try. Yeah, I think it's like honey. It's very good. Yes. It has properties honey, that are. Exactly. So if you want to go au naturel, you can put a little bit of honey on it. I know that sounds weird. And yes, they are going to lick it off. But try like if you, you have them trained or whatever, you can just like have them lay down, put it on them and then just wash them and try to see if you can keep them a, quite a bit from licking it so it can like set in a little bit and then be like, all right, fine, go to town. But um, so those are some things that you can try for the skin. So yeah, hot spots and stuff like that, that usually those are like very temporary, they'll pass like on their own. But um, if you're notice, noticing certain things are getting really raw or really itchy or expanding, yeah, and losing quite a bit of hair, you might want to start stepping in and trying a couple of these home remedies first. Um, also for uh, cuts, scratches, if they get into a fight or like, like I said, Gibbs comes home from the cottage and that you can see every cut and scratch along his legs. I keep a look at them to see if they're getting increasingly like red or itchy, or you might start to see some green pus and stuff like that. Then you want to start definitely treating it topically with something. Another good natural thing to have in your cupboard when you have doggos and even for humans too, I think is the stuff called colloidal silver. You can buy it from any pharmacy. It's like in a liquid form. And putting that over um, cuts and scratches are amazing. And you can buy like dog bandages online for pretty cheap. So you can try covering it, put a bit of gauze and then just cover it up. See if your dog can tolerate that without chewing it off, which they tend to yeah. do like most of the time. But see if they can <laughs> at least keep it covered for like a little bit. I would just take a gibbon. I would put him like on his dog bed and to have them sit there and just be like ah, 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 ah. like whenever they go to lick yeah. or chew just at it ah, ah. yeah and just watch them so those are some of the things you can do so Good. that brings us to the end of our list i can't think yeah. of anything else i wanted to say on that there's just like um you know you tend to panic when you notice something like really wrong but just take a deep breath and take a moment to like research some stuff that you can do and, and I would say give it a, a few days um, to see if it's going to resolve on its own. And, um, you know, if, obviously, if you notice things getting, like, increasingly worse, like at day two, then don't wait, like, to go to the vet or whatever. But there's a lot of stuff that, like, dogs are pretty resilient animals. They heal pretty quickly, like, on their yes. own. And um, um, if you can try to help them a bit at home, like, sometimes it resolves on its own and you save yourself an, an expensive vet visit. Yeah. Yes. And know your dog, like know your dog's character. Cause like you said, they're very resilient. And I think sometimes it takes a lot for them to show um, that they're in pain mm -hmm. or that something is wrong. So assess your dog uh, frequently enough so that like you can notice those bumps or those red spots so that you can take care of them as quickly as possible and not let them fester and grow into something more serious. Yes. Because, yeah, dogs don't really show that they're not well until they're very not well sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a wrap. That is a wrap. So we'll see you next time on Let's Boop Snoots. Let's Boop Snoots. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.